What, what, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. On a cold and snowy Friday in New York City, we're coming live from Brooklyn. Before I bring my guest on today, the message this week, this is something I've heard. I think it was Simon Sinek, but I might be mistaken. Um, and it's, a, it's an idea we're going to dissect through the course of the show. And it was about uh, business and uh, business uh, mortality. And this particular business personality said most business fatalities are the result of suicide, not homicide, meaning that internal mechanisms are what uh, make businesses not survive. Uh, but these days, there are a lot of outside forces and, and that may or may not be the case. So we're going to talk uh, that through today. I'd like to welcome to the show the executive director of the Fifth Ave Sunset Park bid. We'll talk a little bit about what a bid is in a few. Uh, he's also a friend and neighbor. We've uh, participated in the Winter Terrace Food Co-op as well. David Estrada. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeremiah. How are you? I'm glad, glad to be here. Awesome. Likewise, we talked about this a couple of times and it finally has come to fruition. So it's great to, to finally get together and do this. Uh, why don't you start by giving everybody just a little bit of background about yourself, how you ended up in, in these particular roles, and also just a little bit about what a bid is for those that do not know. Okay, that's a, that's a tall order. So I, I'll knock that off. Brief, pretty brief. Um, you know, I'm a 35-year Brooklyn resident, but a Southern California boy. Uh, went to school out there, uh, pulled a really good BA in theater arts from Cal State University, Long Beach. I worked in the arts for several years, uh, literally ran away with a circus to Europe for some years. Uh, so <laughs> some, yes, something, I have, I'm I not have, surprised by that. <laughs> I have danced on stilts wearing Balinese costumes and playing conga drums in, in Salzburg. I have done this. Um, you know, then I came back to New York and decided to pay the bills. I did about a 20-year stint in corporate America. Um Bounced around a bit, but I ended up um, with a company that does human resources consulting, including entrepreneurial coaching called nice. Lehick Harrison. So no longer with them. It's been many years. Uh, and then I decided to pivot to public service. So I ran a city council campaign and my guy got in uh, and in Sunset Park, where I work now. And I was chief of staff there. In uh, A lot of people who aren't in New York don't realize our city council members wield an inordinate amount of power over our daily lives because they're the conduit for so much funding that comes to neighborhoods. Uh, and then I took over here at the Sunset Park Business Improvement District. So that's BID, 76 of them in New York. Uh, you might have heard of Times Square, <laughs> or the Downtown Alliance or Union Square hmm, or Bryant Park. So these are uh, like if a Chamber of Commerce and a water district had a baby, right? So, so we're ombudsmen and boosters for small business and quality of life, but we're funded by a little tick voluntary assessment that is placed on the property tax of every building within the geography of our defined areas. These 76 bids uh, in New York City account for something, I think the last statistic I saw was 25% of all the sales tax revenue okay. takes place in one of these bids or another. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's important. <laughs> We're covering yeah. important spots. But it does range from places like Times Square itself to a little commercial strip like Fifth Avenue in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, between 39th and 64th, you know, working class, immigrant, um, you know, tough Hard scrabble neighborhood, plucky people, bold shop owners, um, and also highly impacted recently. So it's a it's kind of like a chamber of commerce and ambassadorial role 
for a very specific geography. Does that and make sense? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, you know, hopefully uh, it makes sense to the people that are listening because I'm, I mean, do like small towns have bids? Yeah, you know, you might, you might feel it. You might feel it in your town in a different sense. It could be a merchant association, or right. it could be a neighborhood improvement group, um, and and this model of business improvement districts exists all over the world. At the last, the last time we could have a face to face convention, we had folks from Australia and Scotland and you know uh, Southeast Asia and all over. So you know these places exist all over, and it's a it's a way of self organizing. Most importantly for me. It's a way, like when you and I pay our property taxes, me through rent, I don't know if you own, uh, you know, that money goes in the general coffers and we don't have much to say about how it gets spent. But when you self-impose a little fee, a couple hundred bucks, 400 bucks, 500 a year on a building, that money gets spent right there on the avenue. So it's a way of having a greater degree of control over part of the money you give up to help organize the city. Um, And not for nothing, an area like Sunset Park, and especially where the, the bid that you're executive director of along Fifth Avenue, I mean, it's a high concentration of businesses compared to maybe like a main street in a small town, right? I mean, there's a, sure. lot, of, I mean, there's the a density, lot of places like on top of each other right there. And this isn't the central business district of New York, right? This right, is, <laughs> right. Is, That's what I'm saying. What people like to call the outer boroughs as if, you know, dinosaurs are roaming the streets. But I have yeah. you know, over 300 storefronts in a 26 block stretch. Right. <laughs> um, often, often our storefronts are relatively small, 1,500, 2,000 square foot ground floor, but they might only have an 18 or 25 foot frontage. Right. So, you know, this is when people talk about mom and pop shops, you know, how all politicians love to do that, right? Before they right. walk away and screw us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can use. Uh, oh, you school, can. You can. Middle you can, school can, answer. Okay. Yeah, no, we can say whatever we I'm want. I'm going to keep it NC-17 because my four-year-old's in the next room. Uh, uh, you know, but when people talk about mom and pop shops, this is it. These are sole yeah. proprietors. They're immigrants. They're often not English dominant. They're sometimes in mixed immigration status families. They're definitely serving people with mixed immigration status who are, these are working families. Um, So, you know, not typically not national retail brands, although we have a few few franchisees and so forth. Right, right. There's a McDonald's on the block, sure. Um, But these are typically sole proprietors and really labor of love, you know, people who just muscle it through in a very, very intense regulatory environment. I mean, you know, people talk about other places, but New York City has a special flavor of torturing <laughs> anyone who wants to run a business. You know this more than I do. Right? I do. I do. I never I never labeled it as torture, but that's kind of what it feels like. It is really, isn't it? It's a, or at least yeah. gaslighting or I don't know the right word, but it's a, it's a form of abuse. Honestly, it is. And, it, and it's tough because folks have. You know, it's, it's the alphabet soup of agencies, you know, DCA, yeah. uh, DOH, DOB, DOT, DSNY, sanitation, health, you know, environmental protection, protection. Yeah, yeah, on and on and on. And, uh, you know, that's only become more intense when you add on top of it the urgency of pandemic response. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're in a, you know, you, you mentioned mortality or death by suicide as opposed to murder. Uh, you know, although I'd say maybe starvation is sometimes also a cause, a leading cause, you know, just dying on the vine, good ideas. Um, But right now, all bets are off. Everything's different. Long established businesses that for whatever reason had a sustaining model over time are failing. 
brand new starts are failing, and yet people are opening stores in the middle of all this. I have people open a, show, a, a shoe store, a dress store, an empanada place, a couple of uh, bodegas that specialize in vegetables, fruits and vegetables. Uh, you know, some healthcare professionals have come in. So what's really interesting is right when we're crying about vacancy, we have people leasing up. Yeah. So, you know, it's, the beat goes on and the wheel will turn, but it's going to yes. get bad. <laughs> that's, that's another, uh, I, to quote Simon Sinek again, uh, one of his ideas is the infinite game where it's just the wheel is always turning. You might mm-hmm. be in it or you might not, but like commerce always happens. Like you said, the beat goes on. Like it's, it's still, sure, but, it's still all but, happening. But from our, our mortal perspective, yeah. uh, you know, it's New York city, it's business and there are winners and losers. And, and it's always been, you know, like pretty cutthroat. I've always said, if you can, if you can open a business and survive successfully for some years in New York city, you could probably do it anywhere because yeah. the regulations are so steep and everybody's sticking their fingers in your pocket and it's high competition. Just everything is, is elevated here. Um, it's like those nature shows, right? So, so, you know, the margins are thin, the operating circumstances are difficult. The operating costs are high. The regula- the regulation is intense, but there's such an intense flow of commerce in good times in New York city. Yeah. I mean, my zip code one, one, two, one, eight, right here in good old Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn has far more people than the capital of Montana you know, or far more people than, than like many, many, many cities, you know, 150, 200,000 people who live within like, you know, a stone's throw of here. So yeah. that, so what's happened is because of the pandemic, um, you know, that, that volume of just resource flow that a lot of marginal businesses sustained on has been pulled back. And, the, and what, what we're doing is we're not, we're not creating, you know, unprecedented difficulty. We're exposing the difficulties yeah. that these small businesses had all along. It's just now they don't have cash to throw at the problem or a new product they can put out. And, you know, they can't, they, they've lost their room for maneuver uh, just because the money's not flowing yeah. right? in, the re- in the retail sense. And I said that from the beginning, like this, this was very exposing because people, you know, were trying to continue in good times. I mean, it was a, it was a relatively good economic situation we had, especially the last uh, eight years, I'd say since 2012, kind of a, this escalating growth for both retail and service uh, and industry. You know, you have some industrial uh, production happening in, in, that area of uh, Sunset Park too, right? Sure, very very nearby in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. For people who don't know it, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, by the way, so come and visit. Um, it, it, it ranges from the old industrial waterfront on New York Harbor with a view of the Statue of Liberty and these giant, immense, multi-million square foot manufacturing buildings that everybody's trying to figure out what to do with, uh, right up to little row house, brownstone, three-story, three story, you know, 25-foot-wide apartments, chock-a-block in a residential neighborhood. We have the second gr- largest uh, Chinatown, pardon me, the third largest but fastest growing Chinatown in New York. We have uh, multi-generational um, uh, Latin, uh, Latino families from like Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, who've been here since the 40s or earlier. But now we have an influx of people from Puebla, Mexico, and from Guatemala and other places. So there's a really big Hispanic presence in the neighborhood. And historically, it was uh, Scandinavian, Irish, Italian, all the people who worked on the docks. At one point, 30,000 longshoremen a day walked from their house down to the waterfront 
you know, made bowling balls and worked on ships and, <laughs> you know, had boxing matches and things. And, you know, and that's only a generation ago. So I don't want yeah. people to think it's olden times. Like, so this is a neighborhood that's constantly reinventing itself with immigrant energy. Yeah. Uh, and that's not new. That's, that's four or five generations back of like immigrant populations coming in and making the best of it in Sunset Park. And that's, that's a lot of New York in a nutshell, right? I yeah. mean, that's one of the reasons why we're all attracted to it is that sense of resilience and, and hoping to, to feed off of that and, and, mm. and stay in the fight ourselves. Yeah. Cool. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back in just a minute. All right. So hang tight, David, everybody listening, hang tight too. We'll be right I'll back. Be here. You're listening to talk radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. folks welcome back if you're just tuning in happy friday you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox today we are speaking with the executive director of the fifth ave sunset park bid david estrada he was just giving a little background on what a bid actually is is a business and improvement uh district uh and where the funding comes from uh in form of taxes and what what the uh the bid represents in terms of the community and a little background on uh, himself and the community he's servicing here in brooklyn uh home to the third largest but fastest growing chinatown in new york city uh historically immigrant uh neighborhood uh scrappy i think was the word you used to describe the uh the the the, the workers 
of that uh, that area. I think that's pretty. I think it's pretty good description. Scrappy, pugnacious, moxie. You, you know, picture moxie. Yeah. Like that, like that. And I also like how you what you said. Uh, you we were talking about um, the the message of the the show and uh, the idea of business mortality and the idea of starvation uh, as an added pressure. Uh, to, you know, some of the things that get in the way of a business's success. So there's this idea, you know, the, the, the concept came from a presentation. I think it was a TED talk that Simon Sinek was doing. And he was saying, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of businesses, are, you know, that fail, they, they cite things like market forces, you know, being undercapitalized, things like that, uh, for the reason that they didn't, they didn't make it. But further exploration points to maybe that it's it's internal mechanisms where sure you know you need to have enough capital, but if your operational costs are too high, maybe capital is not what you need. Maybe you need to reassess your operational costs and uh, the psychological warfare that kind of happens. But the ante has been up, and and this idea of being starved, literally. I mean, everybody's kind of running around skinny. Um, but that that's where that scrappiness, I think. Uh, helps out. I mean, we were talking earlier about how, you know, if you run and opened a business in New York city, you've been, you've been through like 15 rounds <laughs> because you, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, coming yeah. at you from all this angles. That last scene in raging bull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. But I mean, this talk, right. I want to, I want to bring it down to like where the people I serve live, right. Like, yeah, yeah. People, like I'm undercapitalized, my internal process controls and my HR mechanism. Are <laughs> what's what's that? On. Really? I mean, I mean, all true, all true. Yes. But Pretty highfalutin when, you know, you're running a vegetable shop on 54th Street and 5th Avenue. Um, you know, that's just pure hustle. Yeah. You know, these people are sometimes unbanked. Uh, you know, they do not have access to capital. They didn't mm-hmm. get PPP and idle loans and relief. You know, they, they, they it's not, it's a different world. Like this mm-hmm. is, everybody points to this sector, this retail sector, and, and let's not even say small business. Let's say micro business you know, fewer than five employees and two of them are your cousins and the other three are under the table, right? So this is this is real world stuff. And, and everybody points to this as the economic engine and, you know, the, the, the employment creator and the job creators and all this stuff. They're not getting all this, you know, all this yeah. support. They're not, and they're not operating in a realm where they sit down and, you know, let's have a thoughtful discussion about our internal controls. It's like, hey, the truck's double parked, get the stuff. Right. So, you know, there's just a human element that really inspires me every day. Uh, but I'm also very afraid of when it might run out because everybody yeah. talks about consumer sentiment. Right. That's a pretty clear concept. But who's going to talk about entrepreneurial sentiment, the feeling to do it. Right. It's not it's not dollars and cents and internal controls. You have to want to get up in the morning and go roll roll up that steel door you know, and receive, you have to want it because it's, it's not the money. <laughs> yeah. It's not, and it's not that people are making it easy for you and nobody's coming around and, and patting you on the shoulder saying that a boy, you kept your vegetable store open or you kept your dress shop open. Nobody's doing that. You have yeah. to want it. And so my fear is that just the, the, the help is so long coming and the urgency is so great that people who might otherwise have survived in their business will fail because they're exhausted. They're just yeah. tired, much less being ill. We've lost, we've lost store owners and we've lost folks to, to COVID. Um, and it, it, these are family affairs, you know? So when, 
you know, Papa passes, uh, you know, the shop is closed. And or, or even if they get sick, if they yeah. get sick, if there's a, if there's an instance that one person tests positive and you've got five people working there and they're all working together every day, all of a sudden everybody's got it. It's it's just it's right. unbelievable yeah, are, the domino are, effect. Yeah, these are frontline workers in the truest mm-hmm. sense of the word. They put food in on families' tables. You know, they clothe our children. <laughs> they yeah. provide the prescriptions that we need for all the other stuff that's going on in our lives. And they have been taken for granted for a long time. Um, but now, now, oh, what do you know? We're dependent on these people and, and we need them. And, and I just don't want us to have collective amnesia right. when stuff gets better. And it will for you and me as John Q. Citizen, probably in that, you know, June, July, August time frame, stuff's going to get a lot better. Uh, but we will have lost a lot of businesses along the way. And I do not want to forget <laughs> who yeah. we needed the most when this problem rolled through our, our lives. Absolutely. And and for me, I'm I'm kind of occupy this space between the two where, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I go to Jetro's and I'm in line with these guys and they're literally counting the cash that they made the day before yeah. to buy what they're going to sell today. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's serious. And I've, you, been, you, I've been there. I mean, this is, you know, you don't have terms with your, with your purveyor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's cash and carry. You know, yeah. I have guys, you know, the guy, the guy standing there with the truck, and he's got the clipboard, the boxes are in there. The hand is out. It's like, show me that, yeah. show me the cash. Or you're not, there's no terms. What are you right. talking about? These people, you know, when they talk about business relief, especially at the federal and state level, but even in the city, I don't even think New York city, which loves these businesses so much, even has a clear note <laughs> yeah. of what it is, right? I mean, they just don't, there's just a, a reality gap between how yeah. it feels on the ground. And you run, you run essentially retail storefront operations that rely on foot traffic and deal with all these things. So I think you experience it personally. And I'm, I'm watching yeah. it as this sort of coach and ambassador. Just while we were on break, I got a text from my community affairs officer at the 72nd precinct. And he says, Uh-oh. what happened to a nice boutique? It's a dress store that's been there for like 25 years. Yeah. Uh, quinceanera dresses and beauty. He goes, I need the big chair for a sweet 16. And I'm like, dude, they're gone. Yeah. You know, so this, this, this hurts, you know. It definitely does. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's really important what you were saying about not having collective amnesia. I mean, one of the goals of this particular broadcast, like this show is to be an archive for that and to be a constant reminder, just like a woodpecker. And, yeah. and, and that needs to be picked up more, I think, um, from within the community or for within, from within some of these services, um, like, you know, whether it's a bid or I don't know what else, what else is there in these, in these communities that, that could provide that, like even just a form of a weekly broadcast on like Facebook live or whatever. I mean, you know, all the, all of these organizations have, uh, is it, is it the Brooklyn chamber of commerce? Like I know they've been talking about, uh, I've got a few friends in there and talking about getting a podcast together to, to deal with some of these issues. But I think that's like the real way It's just, yeah, to, I mean, the chambers of commerce, uh, especially Queens, but especially Brooklyn have really stepped up. So they're, they're doing good. And those are not taxpayer funded organizations. Those right. are subscription clubs, you know, so mm-hmm. they're, you know, and, but I mean, I really, I admire them because they've opened their doors to everybody at, and a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have, you know, encountered them. Yeah. They're great. I don't think it's going to come from city government or state government anytime soon. I mean, we have a state and a city administrations that, that don't seem to get along. Uh, and it's just, I mean, look, uh, 
New York City decides that indoor dining is not possible right now because of the pandemic. Okay, I give you that. But if you happen to have a day with weather that's good enough for someone to eat outside, they're not going to allow them to walk into the restaurant to go use the bathroom and wash their hands, right? Because because of the way the law is written. So they have to actually go back. It's in the news today. They have to go back and say, well, we're going to consider softening this regulation. <laughs> you, you, you're, you, you come up with these things that just aren't operating in the realm of reality from the get-go, you know? And so... Yeah. Um, that's where our voices are kind of important. And you got to be in there sort of, you know, yakking and testifying and talking to the press and just telling anybody, just screaming from the rooftops, you know, please make sense. Yeah. Is there, is there any form of broadcast that's happening like with regularity for like for your bid or any of the other uh, yeah, neighboring I bids? I wouldn't say there's something that's a general, uh, a general broadcast thing that's, that's applicable across the board. We have people in very different sectors, different language and cultural affinities and so forth, and especially different scale of business. So what I observe is, is people are sort of self-identifying into smaller groups where like the Queens Chamber of Commerce will run something about uh, accessing federal aid. Uh, but they'll pick up doing the Chinese language version, you know, yeah. or or the the you know the Manhattan Chamber will be running something that might be more geared towards central business district and larger corporate settings, uh, but the Brooklyn Chamber will run some some sessions that are good for smaller storefronts. Like we did a, a fundraising campaign for small loans to bring back Brooklyn Fund uh, because the Brooklyn Chamber happens to have a community designated financial yeah. institution that can you know state chartered. Uh, and they can offer loans and things to small businesses, but but micro loans. I mean, sometimes the difference between just surviving another month and not is you know five, ten, fifteen thousand um, dollars, because most of our small businesses are extremely rent burdened. Yeah. So when something rolls down like PPP, which was focused on payroll sustaining, it's like, what does that mean when like you own the place and you're the only employee and you're paying yourself minimum wage just to stay on the books and you're paying, you know, $18,000 a month in rent for a tiny storefront and you have no cash flow, payroll protection doesn't help you. Yeah. And, oh, do you want to take on debt? No. I know. Like personal I know. guarantee? Am I going to take on debt to survive this? No. So, you know, we I mean, really need more focused aid in the form of direct grants and relief uh, that are geared towards the, the smallest businesses. I mean, if Applebee's games the system or, you know, one of these big chains... Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised, you know, we all wring our hands, but it's not surprising. But no, yeah, not at all. <laughs> come down here to the neighborhood and help some of us survive, you know, just just survive. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. We just want to survive. Exactly. All right. Let's take another quick break. I want to pick back up with this idea of the, the PPP, especially in the small grants, because the number of things that come down the pipe and some have worked and some have not and kind of dissect this a little bit in, in the next segment. All right. So hang tight, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. 
You know you have it, the potential for a more rewarding life, a life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's couragetochange.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to couragetochange.us. Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So Now You Know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. Again, if you're just tuning in, this is The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Today, we are talking to David Estrada. He is the executive director of the Fifth Ave Sunset Park bid here in Brooklyn, New York. We've been talking about commerce. Speaking of, I'm sitting in my restaurant, Della, alone. I've gotten a, a liquor delivery and a seafood delivery while during the show, and nobody's been here to receive it. So these guys are just like rolling in and dropping stuff. I've got like Three cases of champagne right next to me. It's five o'clock somewhere. Commerce in action. And it's scrappy. It is. I like, I really like that scrappiness though. I never, like, I want to, I want to grow and get to certain levels, but I, I never, I was listening to a podcast by another, uh, a, a, a friend who's been on the show uh, as well. He has his own show and he had this guy on and he was like, you always like the best business guys keep their, keep their, what do you say? They, they stay close to the dirt. That's yeah. what he said. Got to stay close you to the You can outgrow yourself. You can sometimes because the yeah. stuff that sets us in motion isn't always what sustains us. You yeah. might you might evolve and grow into it. Why not? Go ahead. Uh, but for, for a lot of folks, I think, you know, it's that, that being able to see the results of what you've done, you know, in the course of a day. Right. Like, yeah. Like, like it's 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 that constant flow of, of sort of challenge and gratification when you when you yes. succeed. like that feels that's a thrill. It's a thrill. It is. It's like it sports. Is. I don't follow sports, you know, but I but I watch these guys in there slugging every day. Yeah, yeah. Pretty entertaining. Yeah. No, you're right though. Like even when I just am like rolling into a commercial district, the hair on my neck stands up. I'm like, yeah. Like I just have this. What's vibe. going on? Who's opening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoy nature too, but not as much as I enjoy 
transaction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's, I'll go to refresh and then I'm like, okay, can we go back and get to work now? Yeah. So on the last segment, we were talking about, um, you know, the PPP and the grants and, and, you know, the little bit it would really take to, to offer survival and not starvation to some of these mm-hmm. businesses, as we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I, I was thinking when they started doling them out at first, like here at Della, we got nothing. We didn't get right. a penny, you know, it's nine months in and we didn't get a penny and we just got scrappy and pulled it together. And when I was hearing about like the Lakers getting an $8 million loan, I'm like, bro, if you gave me 20 grand, I'd do a backflip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but, it's not, but it's not, a. I mean, I mean, these are limited pots of money. So in some ways it yeah. is a zero sum game. And when someone gets more, someone else gets right. left. When someone gets shut out, someone else eats it up. So that is true. On the other hand, I don't want the Lakers to fire their staff. That's fine. That's okay. But don't leave out. Like what we need is an and, and not an either or, you know, but for a lot of these businesses, I'm sorry, it presumes that you have uh, generally accepted accounting practices, that you have an accountant, right? (laughs) That you have a relationship with a bank that happens to be the bank that's serving federal business relief loans, and that you're at the front of the line with that bank. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these folks, you know, their interaction with the local branch is to get changed. <laughs> I know. So, I know. so like right from the beginning, the, the, the basic design of federal relief was uh, the, the original sin was flowing it through these financial institutions that then immediately through understandable self-interest pick and choose the loans that are going to be least administrative overhead and most profitable to serve. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not based on interest rate. It's just based on internals and, and, and all that. Right. So. So like anybody who was thinking about it from our point of view would have looked at that and said, okay, that's good for them, but what about us, right? So, so maybe after January, we'll see a little bit of what about us. I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> um, and, and you mentioned earlier, and this was my, my you know, basic premise all along too, like I don't need a loan. I don't want, right. like as right. a small business, like the last thing I need is another loan. Um, and that was most of what was being offered. Now, I did, I, I, I do remember um, through Brad Lander's office in, in over here. Right? Council is, member, yeah. Yeah, is he the council member of Sunset Park as well? No, that's yeah. Carlos Menchaca. So they're right. adjacent districts. Right, right. They border. I, I, I knew they were close, but um, the, you know, they were doing. I think it was like an eight thousand dollar loan at you know one percent interest or something like that, and maybe it was like specifically for. Um, you know, female-owned organizations or something like that. It was something like very specific and, right. and small, like what you were talking about. But still, it was a loan, yeah, but not, under, not a grant, and they're, and they're undercapitalized. So it's it's kind yeah. of like you know we'll advertise it, but it's it's almost like the lotto making the application for it. Yeah, and, and those are things. And to their credit, these things happen very quickly and early on with New York City government. And what few funds they could rearrange right. to try to offer some immediate relief before we understood the span of time that the pandemic recovery would require, right? So then comes the state and some other and the federal stuff. Again, off topic and hard for our folks to access. Um, and and that has that had bigger pools of money, but much higher bar to acquire. Yeah. And yes, a lot of it's coming in the form of debt. Some new loans just opened up for MWBEs in, they call them LMI uh, communities, low and medium, low and moderate income communities here in New York, right? It's a federally designated, you know, uh, uh, level of, of need in a community. 
Um, but again, those are those are loans. They're probably up to ten, twenty thousand dollars, but also they, they require a personal guarantee. So at the same time that the state and the city have said, okay, we're going to prohibit personal guarantees on commercial leases, they're saying, oh, but if you want this business assistance, you know, put your home on the line to save your store. You know, put your children's education on the line yeah. to save your store that we that we think we want to save, but you take the risk. Sorry. You know, no. And, and, <laughs> and how many... Yeah. How many of the people in your bid even even have that? I mean, do they? Oh, how many of them have something that they can use as a personal guarantor? Right, it's, it's New York. We don't have a high rate yeah. of home ownership, and people yeah. aren't sitting on assets in that. In that, it's just a different style. So, yeah. what are you, you know, going to put up your 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 delivery van? <laughs> That's right. about all. Right. Those, those are sweet headphones, my friend. They're, they're worth Thank something. You. you gotta you gotta put them on the line. There. Those are those are from my old uh, recording engineer days. <laughs> another a lifetime ago, but they work really nice for this purpose. I, I think looking forward though, um, things are going to get better. There will, there will have been a lot of loss along the way that was needless. Uh, some businesses that maybe, you know, we, maybe there was an oversaturation of discount sure. cell phone stores or nail salons. You know, this isn't, a, this isn't a new conversation in New York about yeah. the, the richness and variety of retail uh, mix and, you know, who are taking leases and long-term uh, vacancy in commercial spaces. You know, this is not new. Yeah. Um, but I think now we're going to have an opportunity in the next year or two to reinvent how our neighborhoods are. And some of these borough-based commercial neighborhood strips are going to be at an advantage because we have smaller footprints, easier leases, non-corporate landlords who can make a rational decision, even if they're taking a risk with you for a while. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we might actually have an advantage in a place like Sunset Park leasing back up in recovery compared to, say, 34th Street in Manhattan or, you know, some some downtown Brooklyn. So, sure. so look, look to the small places for those little sprouts of growth after the great forest fire, you know, to yeah, see right. you know, where is the where is the richness going to come next? Uh, and, and we have to be ready for that, too. Uh, 100%. It's interesting because I've heard a lot of stories of people dealing with uh, the smaller landlords right now. And it's unfortunate because it seems to me like kind of the modus operandi has been to give a very difficult time to the previous leaseholder. So if you were the leaseholder coming in to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. the terms didn't change. It was like, fuck you, pay me. And that was it. And but then, you know, that person leaves because, of course, they can't. Their business has been shut down or limited for months on end. And then the new person signing the lease, all of a sudden there's like this partnership. Like, and uh, then let me give you three back. months free and we'll take yeah. your lease structure over the first five years. Yeah. And, you know, well, because well, landlords, I mean, again, non-corporate landlords. This is not the Tishman of the world. These are these are yeah, family yeah. trusts. These are people who've owned it since their dad ran the. Uh, you know, ran the hardware hardware store or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) You know, these are three little apartments above a store, you know, classic stuff. And it's a mixed bag. Some of those landlords themselves are pretty leveraged or, you know, are not sitting on means and property tax hasn't gone away, you know, so, so they're at risk. Uh, Others have a little bit of a cushion and they're saying, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you enough room to operate. You've been here a while. I want to survive through this with you. Um, but that's on a case-by-case basis and yeah. based on personal relationships. There's been a lot of real estate speculation in South Brooklyn uh, in the last cycle, which was hot real estate. So you have a lot of these people who came in and picked up properties 
and are not in the community and do not have personal relationships with their tenants and work through a broker to get some national retail brand after warehousing a storefront for a year and a half. Uh, and they don't have that old Brooklyn, hey, it's you and me. Let's even, you know, we'll sort it out later, you know, push it over yeah. the horizon. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of this. They don't have that. So that's where you see some holes in the fabric of the, of the neighborhood. But we're doing good out here because a lot of these people aren't going to work in Manhattan. I know. They're I was going to say that. Meeting. Honestly, foot traffic. That's what my mom taught me in old retail days. Yeah, go to the mall. Don't look at people. Look at the bags. You know, is anybody buying anything? And I'm <laughs> telling you, we are we are not a destination shopping neighborhood. We are a walk to shop and go home neighborhood for people who live within blocks of where they're shopping. So so actually, we have problems with crowding on the sidewalk. We have problems <laughs> with crowding in retail stores, you know, whereas, you know, the tumbleweeds are rolling through Midtown. Exactly. So, and that pattern is going to sustain over time to some extent although most of these people are service industry and wage workers who when the economy kicks up they're going to have to pick up their shifts again and get back to right work. but the, but a certain amount of tension like you said it's, it's been about survival but there there's in places and in instances where you weren't necessarily making extra money you know and getting ahead financially you were getting ahead in the attention game and a lot of that's going to stick because people be people are a product of their habits so if you've been going to you know, this new place, you know, a place that you didn't go to before because you were working in the city and now you're, you're, you're kind of home or you're, you had to adjust your situation. A lot of those habits are going to remain. And, and especially if you service people really well in an intimate way and make connections yeah. through this, they will be, they will be loyal to you no matter where they're going or what they're doing. And it'll, it'll come from people power upward like that, mm-hmm. just because people are creatures of habit and they're also rational. They make good decisions about what's most efficient. And it's going to come from above because you already hear the corporations are going to give up leaseholds. You know, we're overbuilt on, on office space and so forth. Oh my God. Yeah. Some of the old, the old values about everybody congregating for the publishing industry or the flower district or, you know, or, you know, this or that, you know, whatever generation of Manhattan you want to talk about, those were already eroding rapidly. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I moved to Brooklyn 35 years ago, everything was pointed back towards Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, fun and work and everything else, you know, and as the years have gone by, you know, every once in a while you wake up and you go, should we go to the city? Nah, it's, uh, you know, hang, you know, let's, we, we, we got it here. Such so a hassle. Brooklyn is the third or fourth largest city in the nation by itself. <laughs> Thank you. Absent yep. the mistake in 98 when we joined those other boroughs <laughs> that I've heard of once in a while. So, uh, so, so that, you know, the, the joy and the thrill and the visual stunning quality and the emotional impact of the central business district won't disappear, but it's, it's, you know, ever dominant place on top of the whole world of work uh, probably won't be the same for our kids as it was for us. Yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. All right, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap this one up. So hang tight, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law, business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. 
business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Guys, we're going to wrap this show up for today. Last round. Here we go. We're listening, uh, speaking to and listening to uh, David Estrada. Once again, he is the executive director of the Fifth Ave Sunset Park bid here in Brooklyn, New York. Great discussion uh, about small business entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, I love how you what did, how did you phrase it? The entrepreneurial. Did you say the entrepreneurial spirit, the entrepreneurial something earlier? Oh, in- consumer sentiment is the base idea. But nobody talks about entrepreneurial sentiment, like the the the, the feel. I'm talking about feelings here. Like this, it's a I little, write little that bit down. taboo. That's it's a little so taboo, good. you know. But but I, but we do talk about passion and yeah. the love for doing it, and and the emotions of running a business. And uh, as as tight as your ledger book needs to be, or your business plan, you've got to have that joy of doing it, or you're gonna or you're not gonna sustain. You know. And that's that goes back to what Simon Sinek was saying. It's like you know, that's where the mortality comes from. If you don't have that, if like you're really just doing this for money, your your shelf life is limited. Where if it's if it's coming from within you let's not discount. Some people that's the passion. If you do I understand, money, I get it. I get money it. And you make a lot of money, I'm gonna stand there and applaud. Good. I mean don't be a jerk along the way. But you right. know, I mean it's, everybody's got something different. I, I heard in one of your earlier segments talking about trying to teach entrepreneurship. Right. I don't think you can teach that entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. The the origin of it. But I think you can teach people to make an open eye, open eyed assessment of their marketplace and competition and whether their plan makes sense. And if they have the personal just to do a self inventory about whether you have that care in you, that 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 both both joy and anger, you know, that makes you get up and run a business when everything seems like it's (laughs) against you. I mean, you can't you can't teach having it. But you can you can teach people stopping long enough to make an honest assessment mm-hmm. about whether that's for them, uh, and I think that's where a lot of folks run off run off the cliff because they they've got the beginnings of the passion, but not the other stuff that needs to sustain the work. 
And and as we talked about before, it, I think you called it the forest fire. It, it's done that on the, in the physical realm, but it's also doing that in the in the, the sentimental realm as well, because we're getting to see like all the people who really didn't have that. They're like, yep, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this. And and it it I, I can't say wholesale, but I have seen evidence that a lot of the new people that are coming in, they have maybe it's still honeymoon period, but they have that that vigor and and they're kind of going for it um, because it takes. It takes that to to do you know to open a business in a pandemic. I mean, I know I know a few guys that have opened like several during this time. You know, they're oh just God, going I after a, it. Put this in my neighborhood, little tiny place, seafood restaurant, El Rey de Pescado, King of Fish, right on like Forty uh, Sixth Street. They they were just building out during the yeah. pandemic when everything shut down. I mean, they were they were doing things like fighting and fighting to get that last fire inspection on the suppression system in the kitchen or the sign-off from DOB on the seating capacity right when all the field staff for those agencies went into pandemic. <laughs> Disappeared. Right? I mean, it, they're the worst weather ever. And they managed to open. I mean, my yeah. God, I just, I just, I look at these guys and I'm like, I would have walked away. Yeah. <laughs> I would have walked away. Um, and they just, they just stayed at it and at it and they're open and, and they're not, not, not this week while we're closed for indoor, indoor dining, but you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're making a go of it. Yeah. So, no, but I myself, I mean, if you would have, you know, if you would have told me, you know, at the beginning of March, the circumstances I would have to operate under mm. for the next nine months, I would have been like, ah, we, we'll, be, we'll be closed in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's nine months later. And and like, I feel great. I mean, I'm it sucked, but I'm, I'm grateful for the experience and for what and, and I, I bet a lot of business owners will say the same in hindsight, like that was awful but it will probably poise them for like much better success. So, you know, there's this idea that the forest fire didn't kill everything, like right. some strong roots will be there and that's going to like fire up. And then, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, we'll get, we'll get hot. We'll get hot again. It's, it's, that's the it always does. And you're not selling dry goods on a shelf that don't, that don't expire. You know, you're not, yeah. you, you know, you, you're selling perishables in a social yeah. setting. A restaurant's just a complicated thing, you know, it's just, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's not like you can roll the door down and just wait a while. Right. <laughs> you, no. you need flow. And, and that's, you know, I wanted to hit on this because we talked about it the other day and, and it's just, it's the, it's the elephant in the room, you know, like they're saying, just wait, just wait, just wait, you know, pare down, pare everything down. And there's been very little in the term, in terms of, of like real assistance. There's been talk. I've heard like another round of PPP loans are coming out, but they're, they're designated for certain industries and it's not really for for small retail and small uh and small service industry uh outposts so how like how are we supposed to do that you know it just really makes no sense and you you've been in a lot of conversations around that what's your we've got about four minutes left what's your kind of last your last your burning fire exit statement for <laughs> for the people. <laughs> if I had the answer, I'd be I'd be know, right? with it all I over know. town. Um, no, I think I think the the folks who who have the chance. Okay, let me say this, not to the entrepreneurs, but to the rest of us who are listening. We have real power about which small businesses die or survive in our neighborhoods, and I'm I'm in with everybody else. I got a four year old and a five year old. It's Christmas. I, I just can't, you know, a bunch of Amazon boxes have rolled into my house. But honestly, every time you walk into a shop and you spend a dollar, I don't care what it is, all of us, the local, that the dollars that stay in our economy are going to be what keeps these stores open. And so, it, you know, the neighborhoods themselves, 
the, the populace of the neighborhoods will have to decide that this is what they want. Um, and, and yes, online ordering and national retail brands and large discount box stores and all of those things are going to be a factor. But especially in a dense urban setting like New York City, you can change it. You know, collectively, we can change it. And it doesn't take a lot of money or effort. And it might be a little while before we feel comfortable getting out and, and acting on that. Um, but I think there's a real, there's a, you know, anyone who's run a small business knows at the end of the day, and you run that report on the register and you look at the number that comes up at the bottom of the tape and you're like, I just barely made it today. Oh, thank God. Or, oh, hell, I'm deeper in the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, and sometimes that's a matter of, you know, 200 bucks or 300 bucks one way or the other in a long yeah. retail work day. So please, I mean, that's if I had if I have one thing to say to anybody and even to entrepreneurs who are listening here, keep repeating that. Yeah. <laughs> Because again, like that amnesia about forgetting frontline workers, we're frontline consumers. I'm sorry, it's our culture. We're straight we're frontline up. consumers, and you know, New Yorkers don't, don't like to be told to sit still and stay at home. So, <laughs> so when the time comes, yeah, you know, take your pennies and go. And if you can't buy something, walk in them and tell them that you want to. <laughs> That's you know, I, straight I up, tell you what it means to yeah. be, to know that someone cares. Absolutely. I've gotten many phone calls and, and just people stopping me on the street along along the way. And even if they didn't spend any money, just to say, like, I'm really glad to see you're still there. We will make it in soon. And even a conversation like this, you got me pumped on, man. You know, it's like this is this is this needs to keep happening and repeat itself. That's why I was asking about the broadcast. Like if there was a way for this to just get channeled over and over and over again, this conversation, it, it's yeah. it's the moral currency that a lot of us need. Uh, right. and, to, and, and look, that works. Yeah, if you're in New York City, we're talking, this is a New York conversation at the moment. And a Brooklyn <laughs> one that, right? But, but listen, I'm a, I'm a child of the suburbs. My family's from West Texas. I'm from Southern California. This works wherever you are. Yeah. There is a place. There's that little shop in the strip mall that's been there 40 years that you, you barely think about twice when you're driving to Costco. I, I don't <laughs> badmouth a big box store or anybody, but I'm just saying like everything has its place. And I'm not asking anyone to give themselves a bad deal or spend money they wouldn't spend otherwise. But just that little decision, maybe it takes a couple more minutes. Maybe you only can choose between seven items instead of 17, but you're going to get what you want. You know, so it really makes a difference. It, 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 it's true. You know, <laughs> so just keep that faith in terms of the, you know, the flow of love and money that's going into the businesses we're trying to save. And then don't forget it when things open back up, because... Absolutely. Those stores will still be there, and and their plight will be the same regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it'll, it'll be everything old is new again, but uh, yeah, we'll learn right. something. You know, you and I are going to remember, but yep, definitely. I don't know about definitely. anybody else. Yeah. Well, we're going to do our best. Well, thank you, man, so much. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and uh, just amazing things you shared with us today. So I really appreciate it. If anybody wants to get in touch with you to learn more, what's the, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Uh, just David at sunsetparkbid.org. Just give me a call. Look us up. Uh, come around. We're on the avenue. You know, Come spend some money. <laughs> Look, we hang holiday lights. We pick up trash. We do things. We put up Christmas trees. Life is continuing. It goes it on. Is. You can hear it in the background. So, it, I can. you know, I can. it's holiday season and, uh, we will come out of this. We will. We will. 100%. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. The rest of you have a great weekend. Peace out.
listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So Now You Know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc are you a small business trying to navigate the covid19 related employment laws Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 